Welcome into the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson with you here. We're talking Gophers as we do every weekday here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Apologies for the day off yesterday. I ended up having something come up and I couldn't quite record yesterday, but we are back here on a Wednesday and ready to go over everything that we may have missed and everything going on with the Gophers right now. Again, this is the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, where every single weekday, we keep you up to date on everything going on with the Gophers. You give us half an hour of your time, we'll let you know all of the Gopher news taking place over the course of the last 24 hours. Also, a little bit of a taste of what's going on with a more in-depth look of some certain things in the Minnesota Gophers. Coming up today, let's talk a little bit more about Mo Ibrahim, huh? He's been the best back in the Big Ten so far this season, one of the best in the country, And we're going to break down just how good of a start he's been off to. And the pace that he's on is frightening, even with only an eight-game season. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Also, P.J. Fleck had his weekly press conference on Monday. A chance for everyone in the media to ask him some questions after everyone got a chance to look at the film from the win over Illinois. And, of course, we look forward a little bit to Iowa as well, as they'll play for the bacon later on on Friday night. That's coming up here on today's show. But first, again... We promise you all everything you need to know going on with the Golden Gophers every single weekday, and we'll start off in that spirit with a look around Minnesota Gopher news right now. First off, Joe Rossi, the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Gophers. His status is still unknown for this Friday against Iowa. Head coach P.J. Flex said as much in his press conference earlier this week, and it was reported the same throughout the week so far at least. They're just waiting on confirmation from medical officials, really, to give Rossi the green light to get back. Elsewhere, Mo Ibrahim was named the Big Ten Player of the Week on offense last weekend. Again, he had another outstanding performance with four touchdowns against Illinois. You could argue he could have won the award one of the other two weeks this season as well, but Gophers get a win. It's a lot easier to pick up a Player of the Week award. Speaking of awards, Marcus Carr was named to the All-Big Ten preseason team for basketball. Ten players named to that team. Carr was the only gopher mentioned. Of course, Luca Garza with the Iowa Hawkeyes was one of the big, big names to come out of the Big Ten here this preseason. He obviously makes a list as well. We'll talk more about him, the Hawkeyes, and everyone else in the Big Ten in just a moment. Also today, Trayton Thompson, a four-star recruit out of Alexandria, Minnesota, who is currently playing over in Indiana at Lalamere Academy. He is set to sign today for the Minnesota Gophers adding to the 2021 class for Richard Pitino and his squad, which will hope to get the Gophers back on track. We'll talk more again on the basketball team in just a minute. Speaking of basketball also, the men's and women's Gophers basketball teams had to have their activities shut down yesterday. COVID-19 concerns end up halting the preseason starts for both the men's and women's teams for Minnesota. No word on how long things will stay shut down, but we'll of course keep you updated as we learn more day-to-day here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Hopefully it of course doesn't affect anything going into the season. Regular season sets start for the men's team in two weeks from today. Let's talk a little bit about that basketball team for the Minnesota Gophers and assume for now, again, all activities shut down yesterday, but assume for now at least that they will be able to play when they've been scheduled to start. I'd like to start off the show with a little bit of a thought provoker, and my thought provoker for today is how will basketball preseason be affected in the same way that football preseason was affected, if at all? 
because you're looking at a guy in P.J. Fleck who's coaching a team that has a lot of new players coming in, seven starters on defense, a lot of guys who haven't had a lot of experience. And he mentioned in his Monday press conference, and again, later on in the show, we will go over the Monday press conference from Coach Fleck and talk about the most important things he said. But he did mention in that presser on Monday that his team didn't have a normal preseason and that a lot of these guys who don't have experience really could have benefited from getting at least some resemblance of a normal preseason this year. I want you to ask yourself at least, what does that mean for the start of the basketball season? I think if you're asking me, I really have no idea. Because it seems like at least by now, the Big Ten and pretty much everybody around sports, whether it's a pro level, college level, or high school level, as in Minnesota at least, you've seen the MSHSL at least try to get into some sort of groove as to what they want to do. But anywho, it seems like at least for now, the Gophers have the plan for how they're going to try to conduct sports. The Big Ten has its plan for how it's going to try to conduct sports. So I feel like the basketball preseason won't be nearly as affected. And while we saw football players be able to benefit from experience, like a Minnesota team that was dismal on defense through the first two weeks, now seems to have at least found its footing a bit, while teams who had experience may have already been there from the start. This may be the reason why Minnesota already has two losses on its record, while a team like Northwestern and Purdue has no losses so far, despite not being the teams that maybe people thought would be the ones with no losses to this point. But anyway, will the basketball team be affected in the same way? I would imagine not. I would imagine that at the very least, they're being able to have more of a normal preseason than football had. But I do think that this basketball season is going to be affected by COVID. Now, the Gophers are bringing in guys like Liam Robbins and Booth Gotch, guys who are going to be able to play right away because they got their waivers from the NCAA. It will help the team be as good as it was last year, if not better. At least that's what Gopher fans are hoping for. But also, you have to ask yourself, how much better is everybody else getting as a result? Because while the Gophers will add guys like Robbins and Booth Gotch, everybody else has transfers who are coming in too. I mean, this is Power 5 basketball. There are plenty of other teams who are bringing in players from smaller schools who will be able to make an impact right away. Usually, though, they're not able to make that impact right away because the NCAA doesn't always give these waivers out willy-nilly like they would in 2020. So I think you have to ask yourself, while the Gophers, yes, maybe they do get better by adding guys like Gotch and also Liam Robbins into the fold. A guy who could maybe cover up some of the losses from Daniel Oturu, while Gotch, an Austin, Minnesota native, can maybe put together a kind of season that can make this outside perimeter attack look a lot more threatening. Maybe that happens. But at the same time, I got to ask, if these are the guys Minnesota's bringing in, who are the Blue Bloods bringing in? Who is the rest of the Big Ten, the guys like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, teams that are really good, who were they bringing into their rosters? I don't know much about all the rest of those players yet. I mean, basketball season doesn't start for a couple more weeks. I don't really need to know a whole bunch about the rest of the Big Ten and what they've added and lost quite yet, so I haven't done quite as much research as I will. But that's the question at least I'm asking myself right now. And maybe it's more just a question I'm asking myself to try and at least halt some of the expectations that I'm feeling. Because right now I'm thinking, all right, we got Booth Gotch in, we got Liam Robbins in. This team will be just as good as it was last year. And last year they were good enough to make the tournament. They just didn't win the games they needed to. 
add in those pieces as well as the experience from everybody else who comes back, I feel like this is going to be a better basketball team. But I don't know what it means here for this year. I don't know what it means for as far as the rest of the conference and the country as to what they'll bring in in transfers and other things like that. Guys who would normally have to sit out a season but don't. But I do think that it will affect, if not Minnesota basketball individually, just basketball as a whole. In the same way it kind of affected the NBA's season when it started up. The shooting percentages and quality of basketball, I think everyone agreed, was kind of higher in the NBA's bubble in Orlando. And nobody's playing in a bubble in the NCAA, but I do feel like it'll be better basketball that we're seeing in college basketball this year. Just because players are able to kind of think about basketball more than anything else, they still got classes and all that. But aside from really going to practice and maybe going to class depending on their school, they're really not doing all that much. They've got more time to focus on basketball if that's the way they choose to spend their time. And I feel like these players are going to be at least a little bit better as far as the quality of the game goes overall. Partly because these transfers are getting into bigger schools sooner, but partly also because this time has really given an opportunity for basketball players, guys who usually are only focusing on the game, to be able to do that even more. It's a big, big philosophical thing I've turned this rant into, but really the point I'm getting to is that while the Gophers do seem to be getting better, I feel like everybody is getting a little bit better as a result of this virus, if they can stay healthy, of course. And I don't know if the Gophers' improvement will be enough to keep up with everyone else's improvement, too. I guess that's my biggest worry going into the season, because everything else is looking up. Teams got experience. They're adding in pieces that look like they at least fit well into the holes that a guy like uh, Daniel Oturu was leaving behind. But I'm not sure if everybody else in the Big Ten isn't going to get that much better too. I do believe there is a rising tide throughout college basketball that as a result of this pandemic will get the best teams that much better. And I don't know if the Gophers have done enough to keep up. That's my biggest worry right now. Will the Gophers be able to be able to make up enough ground after what the rest of the Big Ten has done this offseason? Which again, I haven't looked up all that much on. But I just know that everyone else has been restocking too. And while I may think, all right, the Gophers are better than they were last year, and last year they were good enough to make the tournament, just didn't execute. Now I'm kind of a little bit more hesitant, because I'm not sure exactly what the rest of the conference and the rest of the country is going to look like throughout this pandemic. Kind of like it was with football season. It's a different feeling, in that with football I just really didn't understand how anything was going to work. Now with basketball, I really just don't understand how the personnel is going to change with all the different things the NCAA has been doing to allow players to transfer and allow guys to get back on the court quicker than they would have normally after transferring. It'll be something interesting to see, but those kind of questions that I'm asking and asking you to ask yourself right now really aren't going to be answered until we get to the 25th and start the season. So I don't know if it's that much to think about right now, but I did think it was a nice little thought starter to have to start our show today. Well, hey, you may be watching the Gophers here on Friday night, and on a Friday when the work week's over, you might just want to chill out. And you know what? When I want to chill out, I go to the only beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Now, they mean just chill out, relax too, but this beer is literally made to chill as well. 
Cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, it's literally made to chill. As crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. It seems like nowadays everyone's saying go, 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 working 24-7, whether it's where you're at your job or your family or anything else you got going on, it seems like you're asked to be on 24-7. When you do get a chance to take a break, you want to be able to chill out the right way. And when I need to unwind, I choose Coors Light. When you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And always remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, also, after I'm done chilling out and I need to get back to work, I might need an extra little jolt of energy, say in the morning when I'm getting up to get ready for work or go do a workout or anything like that. And when I need that extra little push, I turn to Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that's different from everything else because, well, it just tastes good. It's been my biggest problem with other protein bars or products like it. It doesn't just taste like something you want to eat, you know? And I feel like, hey, this is 2020. We should have the technology to make this stuff taste not terrible. Built Bar does that perfectly. They've got flavors like cookies and cream, carrot cake, orange, coconut, toffee, almond, all sorts of different stuff. So really, you'll be able to find something that you know that you like and go to it from there. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew as well, not like these granola bars that you feel like you got to munch your way through to be able to even get it down. Also, the Built Bars are healthy too. I'm talking about 17 plus grams of protein, no matter which bar you're choosing. Under 200 calories every single time, in some cases under 150. Low sugar, low net carbs as well. And right now, Built Bar has an outstanding promotion going for our listeners. While supplies last, there will be coolers available with every purchase for free. That only lasts so long, so get on there quick. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up next on the show, Muhammad Ibrahim has been outstanding in carrying this Gophers offense through the first few games of the season. But just how historic is his start? We'll go over the kind of pace that Ibrahim would be on at the end of this season if he continued up what he's been doing, and also talk about just how insane his numbers would be if he were able to do this across a 12-game season. The stats will jump out at you, I'm sure. We'll be right back in just a minute on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Locked on Golden Gophers podcast, Nate Dickinson with you here. Every single weekday, you give me half an hour, I'll give you everything you need to know going on with the Minnesota Gophers. We talked a little bit in the beginning part of the show about Minnesota basketball and really just what to expect across college basketball as things really get started up. But now we got to move back over to football. And specifically, Muhammad Ibrahim, as he has been on an insane tear to start the season But I feel like even with the monster numbers he's putting up, people don't really understand just how much he's been able to do. Let's start off with the actual stats. Through three games, Muhammad Ibrahim has 571 yards on the ground and also 10 rushing touchdowns. Four rushing touchdowns in each of the last two games. That already, by the way, puts him at a career high for touchdowns in a season. He scored nine touchdowns his freshman year, seven last season, and through three games already has himself ten for the Minnesota Gophers, a team that have definitely needed every touchdown that he's been able to give them so far, given what the defense has been doing. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Mo. On average, 
he's getting 190 and a third yards per game, alongside three and a third touchdowns per game. What does that mean for what he would do throughout the course of the season? Let's say he keeps this up, and throughout each of the eight games, Mo Ibrahim does that. That would mean he'd put together 1,522 yards on the season, and also 26 or 27 touchdowns. If he did those numbers, again, this is just across an eight-game season, that would be the second most yards in a gopher season behind David Cobb in 2014, that 1522. And it would still be the most touchdowns scored by a gopher by six scores in a season. Gary Russell has had 18, Marion Barber had 17. 1,522 yards and 26 touchdowns if he keeps up this pace. And that's just in eight games. He would be second most all-time in gopher history for yards in a season, playing four less games than what the other guys who are at the top of that record book did. It's an insane number that Mo Ibrahim has been able to put up so far this year, but it gets more insane if you go even deeper into it. Let's say the Gophers play a ninth game this season, which they should. 1,713 yards and 30 touchdowns over the course of the year. That would take over David Cobb as the most in an, any Gopher season as far as rushing yards. It would also be 46 career touchdowns if he added 30 this year, which would be the most rushing touchdowns in Gopher history for a career. Daryl Thompson had 40. Al Ibrahim would be at 46 if he kept up this pace throughout the season. And he still has a year to go, by the way. Even further, let's get more ridiculous. Also, oh, oh, by the way, that would put his rushing yard total at 3,477 career yards, fifth most in the Gophers record book. Moving on, if the Gophers were to have played, say, a 12-game season this year, what most other teams would normally play in a normal year, he would end up with 2,284 yards and 40 touchdowns on the ground. It would be the most rushing touchdowns in a single season in NCAA history. Barry Sanders is number two, or is number one, I guess, right now. I'm not saying Ibrahim's going to do this kind of stuff, but... Barry Sanders is number one right now at 37. Ibrahim would be projected between 39 and 40. He would also have the fifth most rushing yards in a season in NCAA history at 2284. Barry Sanders, number one in that category as well with his 1988 season for Oklahoma State in which he rushed for 2,628 yards. So needless to say, Mo Ibrahim is having a historic start to the season. He's been outstanding, and through three games, he's really kept the Minnesota Gophers from being embarrassed in all three with his performance, except for maybe the last one against Illinois. But the question I want to ask going forward is, what does Minnesota do when the magic runs out for Mo Ibrahim? Because even if he can be the Big Ten's best running back this season, even if he can continue to do any sort of what he's been able to do so far throughout the rest of the year, Mal Ibrahim's still going to have those games, at least one or two of them, where it's just not working the way it always has. It's not working the way it has all season so far to this point. I mean, he showed no signs of slowing down, but at some point he will. At some point, some team is going to be able to figure it out, at least to an extent, that the rest of the offense has to do something. Now, I talked about earlier this week about how Tanner Morgan had kind of fallen into this place where he looks like Kirk Cousins sometimes with the Vikings in the way that he doesn't have to do all that much because of what Ibrahim's been doing. And I'm not saying I don't have confidence in Morgan, 
But I am saying that when we have had to see him perform, at least this season, it's been to a level that has not been the top of the Big Ten level that we saw last year. Again, I don't want to put any sort of blame on Tanner Morgan. He hasn't really been put to the test yet because of what Ibrahim's been able to do. But I'm interested to see, what's plan B? Because Mo Ibrahim, plan A, has worked so far every game this year. When it doesn't, I'm interested to see what ends up happening with this Gopher team. It's a bit of a hypothetical, but I do want to find that out. And I think it's something we don't know yet. And I don't know, maybe we'll learn against Iowa. Maybe it'll take a week or two after that for Mo Ibrahim to slow down. But at some point, Tanner Morgan in the passing game is going to have to do a little bit more. And with a new coordinator out on offense, I'm very interested to see how exactly that all plays out, especially with what we've seen over the first few weeks, because it's been a bit different in the passing game than what we had last season. So Mo Ibrahim obviously is plan A. Every single game going forward, as long as Mo is doing what he's been doing, and has been able to run the ball, they're going to keep giving it to him. I'm just wondering, what happens after that? What happens once someone's able to figure that out a little bit, and you have to go, all right, what's next? I don't know what is next exactly right now. I would imagine it would be Tanner Morgan hooking up with his guys like Rashad Bateman and Chris Altman-Bell, and being the quarterback that he was last year. But I have not seen the quarterback from last year yet, partly because he hasn't needed to be the quarterback from last year, but also partly because, like in a game against Michigan, He wasn't all that great. What will he do against good competition? I'm not saying I doubt Tanner Morgan. I'm just saying the sample size is not only small, it's not there this year yet. And I am still concerned a little bit about what happens after Mo Ibrahim's run stops, well, running as well as it has been. We'll talk about a little bit more after our break about what P.J. Flex said about last week's win over Illinois, and also, of course, looking forward to this weekend against Iowa as well. My biggest takeaways from P.J.'s press conference earlier this week, coming up in just a minute. You're listening into the Locked On Golden Gopher podcast. I'm Nate Dickinson. Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, Nate Dickinson with you here talked earlier in the show about Mo Ibrahim and his really historic pace that he's on to start this season. I I don't know if we expect him to do as well as he has done all year, but he has shown no sign of slowing down so far at least. So I'd say that it's safe to say he'd have a pretty good game against Iowa as well. I don't know. We'll talk more about that later in the week. Right now I want to get into what happened earlier this week. On Monday there was the press conferences with head coach PJ Fleck and certain players with the Gopher team. But I like tuning in on exactly what's going on with Fleck because we get a little bit of insight as to what's going on inside his head, but also get to hear his answers to the questions after he's gotten a chance to take a look at the tape, really understand what's going on. And the media has done the same. They've taken a look at everything too. And I feel like this is when the best questions in between weeks are asked during these Monday press conferences. One thing PJ Fleck did talk a lot about as a lot of people were asking about it was the defense. This is a team that had given up 45 points its first two weeks of the season, now only allows 14 to Illinois, and Fleck had a lot of questions about that. And he started off by giving a little bit of a precursor, and this is something Fleck has done all year with this defense. He, he gave a little bit of a disclaimer. This team's been playing a lot of freshmen, he said. And he said that it's been running that way a lot in practice because of the COVID protocols and everything they've had to do. A lot of these guys who are getting regular reps as a result of injuries during games we're normally getting some reps in practice just because of the depth they need in a practice, but also 
aside from that, just because they had had so many players coming in and out that a lot of these guys had been running in a way that, well, they're getting enough reps that they expect to play just because of what's been happening with this team. But there were a lot of younger guys who were playing. The team tackled better, he said, but still not good enough. And again, I'll get to that in just a moment, but Fleck has been doing this throughout the season where he's kind of put a little bit of a bumper on anything the defense does good and says, hey, this team is still learning, it's still working together, it's still figuring things out on defense, especially with seven new starters. And even when uh, a media personnel asks a question positively, he will precursor it with something like, hey, well, there's still a lot of ways to go, even if we do have some things going well right now. He said that on Monday. One of the biggest things I did think he said about the defense that spoke to me, though, was what he called playing collectively together. He said that team did that on Friday or Saturday night, Friday coming up this week against Iowa. But he said the team did that on Saturday against Illinois. And for me, that's the one thing that kind of, I think, can heal a defense's wounds more than anything else. If the team's able to play together in a way where everything at least is where it's supposed to be on defense, something we didn't see against Maryland and something we didn't see against Michigan, that at least they'll be able to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, right? Because let's face it, Illinois, bottom of the barrel, Big Ten team. Going into that game, we were wondering, is Minnesota one of those bottom of the barrel teams too? And again, as I said on Monday, I feel like in at least a win over Illinois, you learn, if nothing else, that Minnesota is not that worst of the worst among the Big Ten. But I don't think that this defense is anything special still. And beating Illinois doesn't prove to me in any way that they'll be able to do anything against a team with any sort of merit on offense. And really a team that isn't playing its fourth string quarterback like Karan Taylor was doing last week for the Illini. If nothing else, I learned that this Minnesota team can beat an Illinois team. But again, as Fleck cautioned before, this team has some holes to pick up on some holes to fill. And until it can do all of that through just time and getting players better better and getting developed, until all of that happens, all he has to lean on is what he mentioned in playing collectively together. Because that really can be the difference on a team that has a really good offense, as Minnesota has shown it has. If you want to be the difference between an okay team and a really good team, it's that difference between your defense being able to play together and really just being all over the place, running around like chickens with their head cut off. Because right now, Minnesota's defense has looked like that through the first two weeks. For the first time against Illinois, we saw a team that looked like it at least knew what it was doing as a football team defensively. If it can continue to do that, then I really am feeling a lot better about this Gopher squad. I'm not saying this is a good defense, but if it can continue to do what Flex said about playing collectively together, I really do think it can be all right. Because if the team can at least do that, it's not going to give up 40 points every game. It's going to have more games where, yeah, maybe teams are going to be able to score on them, but maybe those scores are more like 25 to 30 than instead of like 35 to 40, which has been really what the standard has been set for Minnesota so far up until Illinois. So if this defense can play collectively together, it really can make up for a lot of the mistakes that maybe individual disadvantages would bring. If it plays as a unit, if it helps each other out, I really do think this defense can be at least a patched up version of a college football defense. But it has to be able to play the way it did against Illinois against a whole lot better teams. 
And that still has yet to be seen, whether or not this defense can do that. Moving forward, the only other things I really heard from PJ that I thought was interesting earlier this week, again, he emphasized that there's still a lot of improvement for this team to be had. It was really the biggest emphasis of the press conferences. And in the press conferences I've seen over the past couple of weeks, he's talked about that more than anything else. He's really putting the media, at least, on caution for a while with this defense. He talked about experienced teams having more success, and this team just doesn't have the experience to be able to have that kind of success that it had last year. But again, he's been able to say, hey, just be patient. This will get better, and we saw it get better against Illinois. The only other thing I think he said that might be of note to anyone was really just more of P.J. Fleck riling up the troops, but I do think it spoke at least to what this team's mindset is. He mentioned how road the boat hasn't changed. He brought up how after his first year at Western Michigan, people would ask him, well, where the, row the boat didn't work, what's next? He just said, we're going to keep rowing the boat. It's what he's done his entire career. It's why I feel like most people right now are still confident in P.J. Fleck as a head coach and as a recruiter, both, because he's put together this culture. One of the most important things in college football to have, a culture, and P.J. Fleck has been able to make it with this Gopher team over the course of the first three, four years that he's been here. Are people definitely having questions about P.J. Fleck now? No doubt about it. But I still feel like people are confident in his ability to bring this team to the forefront of the Big Ten because of what he has been able to do before and because of his culture that he's put together. Again, maybe it's all just a show. I've had this question asked inside my head many times before with many a college football coach. Is it just all the talk? Am I just buying into this coach a little bit more because he's better at being in front of the podium and better at talking to the media and better at making me think that things are going to be okay? I really don't think that's the case with PJ. Maybe I'll get fooled again. But I really do think this guy has what it takes to put a college football team together And I believe that he has what it takes to get it through a hard time like this. This game against Iowa will be very telling, though. And we'll get more into it in the last couple of days of the week here on the podcast. Once again, Nate Dickinson here with the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast every single weekday. You give me a half an hour, I'll give you everything you need to know on the Minnesota Gophers. I'll be back tomorrow morning with an update on everything else that happens today in Gopher News, as well as another breakdown of something else going on with Minnesota as well. We'll tell you more about it tomorrow morning. Nate Dickinson here with the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast.